Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson out in Sunday, San Diego. He's Andre Fernandez up in Tallahassee. Dre, how are you, buddy? It's not as sunny where I am as where you are, my friend. I mean, like, I, like I always tell people, like, I'm always celebrating your backdrops on this. And I wish people could see it. You're always at the fancy hotels. And then now you're at a park. It's beautiful. It's sunny outside. I want to jump through the screen and hang out with you right now. I know Christina's out there hanging out with you, too. Why do I have to sit here and work and cover the Seminoles? No, I, I want to be there at that park. I want to be hanging out in beautiful San Diego, which is always my favorite road trip. No, San Diego is the, fav- the best part of the road trip. Again, I can't see outside for you, but it is the weather's beautiful here. This it is, is beautiful in Tallahassee, yeah. but 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 that view that I'm looking at right now makes me jealous. That's for sure. Yeah. No. Again, there's a, there's a reason why every time when the schedule gets released, I look specifically for when the Marlins schedule says at SD, and I mm-hmm. just circle it right away and go, "Yeah, that trip's mine." Hands that's, off everyone else. That's where the tab there is like read only, locked in. You're not touching that. That's mine. Yeah, and I don't and, blame you one bit. No, and also again, we're, I'm outside right now. Again, the time difference makes it easier to do a little bit more, do some exploring, do some sightseeing, yeah. be a tourist. And with the way the season's going, it it's a decent reprieve for what we're seeing more or less on a daily basis. I mean, let's jump right into the baseball stuff. Marlins just got swept by the Colorado Rockies in a series that was not mm. pretty in <laughs> any sense of the word. Yeah. The Marlins are now 47 and 65 on the year, season worst 18 under 500 heading into the series with the Padres. And we've been talking about it for the last couple of podcasts, but now we're fully at the point where from this point on, it's more about just looking at the individuals, looking at the guys who are either on the bubble or the prospects who are up and coming and checking out their reports and basically watching the main faces over these final two months. Yeah, and and like you said, it's been for a bit, but now now that with every passing week, it gets more and more as as a look to the future, and looking at each spot and looking to see what the roster construction is going to be going in the next season. One guy I know we're going to bring up is Lewis Brinson, who has been in the news for not baseball reasons, unfortunately, the last twenty four hours, but Badly, yes. Yes, but at the same time, the the progress that he's making is impressive because about, I think I want to say maybe a month ago, right around the trade deadline, we were saying that once the Marlins moved some pieces, it was a perfect chance to give him like one really, really good look the rest of the year and let's see if he could roll with it. Well, guess what? He's rolling with it, and he's doing pretty well right now. I mean, the numbers look pretty impressive. The swing looks better. He's consistently driving the ball well. I mean, good for Lewis, you know, and it's finally it looks like it's starting to click a little bit and maybe he can maybe this will translate into him still getting a shot to be part of the long term plan. No doubt about it. Heading into this series with the Padres since Lewis Brinson was last called up July 19th. He's playing 17 games and 13 starts. He's hitting 314, 16 for 51 with seven doubles, two home runs, 12 ribbies, and seven runs scored. This is the best three-week stretch that we've seen from Brinson at any point since he's been with the Marlins. I know yeah. three-week sample size isn't much, but 
considering everything that Brinson's been through since the trade, since coming here in twenty in twenty eighteen, that first year, the entire rookie year struggle, getting called, getting demoted to Triple A in twenty nineteen, basically being a platoon guy in twenty twenty, to now right. finally being able to show he can be an everyday guy this year, which will hopefully give him that opportunity to translate into being a, being either a spot starter or that fourth outfielder come 2022 and give him a chance to extend his career here. This is probably the best start that he could have had in this opportunity since they traded Starling Marte and basically gave him the chance to run free and center. You said three, three weeks sample size. We used to get, people used to get excited or, you know, kind of skeptical over three day sample yes. sizes with him. And now you're hoping that maybe he can turn this into a three-month sample size where it really is more indicative of the player he is right now and the progress that he has made. But, yeah, it's definitely good to see. Now, as far as the other thing goes, I don't know, if, you know, maybe you want to, learn, you know, recap. You were there. Yeah. Uh, you know, yesterday is Sunday. Um, you know, tell us what you saw, what you heard, because, you know, it, it, this is really something that, it's better told by someone that was there at the ballpark that has the perspective on it. Yeah. So Sunday ninth inning, Lewis Brinson is at, is at the plate. I didn't hear what happened live when, while I was in the press box, I started seeing things that happened on social media with people reacting to what Mm. was heard on the broadcast. And long story short, a lot of people thought they heard a fan speak a racial slur while Lewis Brinson was at the plate in the ninth inning. Right. Uh, the Rockies put out and said that they were investigating it. They were looking at everything. They were in their initial statement, quote by quote unquote, disgusted at the racial slur by a fan directed at the Marlins, Lewis Brinson on Monday, they announced that a fan who was sitting behind home play about a couple, two or three rows back, was looking a couple sections away at where the Rockies mascot is. The Rockies mascot's name is Dinger. Right. And they said that the fan who has been unnamed, apparently according to some reports by local people in color in Denver, was there with family and was trying to get a picture with the mascot with his with his grandkids, was shouting Dinger and it got picked up on the mic on the, the microphones, which led to the broadcast. Yeah. It was a very hectic 24 hours trying to figure out everything as it unfolded. Nobody on the field heard anything, or at least as far as I was told, nobody heard anything. Lewis Brinson didn't while he was batting. None of the Marlins players, none of the Marlins coaches on the field. I didn't hear from the press box, which is open air, open window, directly behind home plate, granted about mm-hmm. a cup, granted about two sections up, but I didn't hear anything live while I was trying, while I was writing through my instant gamer, but just when that thought rumbles through your mind, it's just the thought of here we go again, people trying to, especially after everything happened last year with George Mm -hmm. Floyd, with the George Mm -hmm. Floyd killing and all of that. And knowing how the racial justice and racial equality issue has been brought up the players Alliance with a lot of MLB players trying to fight for equality. And we're just thinking it's, this is just another step back. And then when it comes out of this, a misunderstanding and just how it unfolds, it's just, it's a, it's an unfortunate situation. And that still 
doesn't feel like it's doing the situation justice, especially right. for it, Lewis. R- exactly. Right. And then the thing is, like, if that would have been what happened, it's absolutely despicable. It doesn't even, absolutely. you know, that's something that, you know, and because it's that bad, I, it's almost, I mean, look, again, I was not there. And like you're saying, even people that were there, you can't really tell from the vantage point you're at. Let's say, let's take it from that angle that it wasn't. Yes, it's unfortunate that it was a, whatever you want to call it, a misunderstanding. But the thought of that potentially happening obviously invokes a reaction like that. And that's what I mean. Like, had he said that, it would uh, it would shock me if he would if he did that loudly and that broadcast in front of everybody and, nothing happened, and that there was no it, yeah no appalling reaction by you know what i mean like people would have just been shocked or appalled in the crowd and you know how that is it's it, immediately you know someone would have you know picked out the phone started shooting it whatever or would have even given the, the person a response themselves and baseball players know when they're getting heckled like even with crowd noise you would not and if it's something like that to that extreme you know they're going to hear something and they're going to react to it and obviously you look at the footage brinson goes on about his business i mean it wasn't just said once it was said like two or three times so i lewis would have heard it i think like that's just my opinion. If it was some, if it was something that horrible and that despicable, you know he would have heard it, probably. So that being said, I mean, obviously, if it wasn't, then I'm glad it wasn't because there's no place for that. Something that has to, you know, just this day and age, unfortunately, continues to happen. Similar things like that continue to happen, unfortunately. But you know, again. It's almost like, oh, well, rather live with the misunderstanding than it had been that. You know what I mean? If it does, Absolutely. if it ends up being something innocent, at least it was something innocent and not something, you know, just, you know, t- you know, despicable like that. Yeah, definitely. It's just trying to still process all of it happening. And again, for it to be that to be the one thing that got caught on the mic out of anything that could have happened throughout the course of the series or the course of it, any point in the baseball game throughout the season for that to be the one thing that gets caught up. Yeah. 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 But again, like I, I honestly, like I really think that like you would have really heard some sort of reaction, whether it was from the fans or, or someone, you know, and you would have hoped that even Rocky's personnel in the crowd would have, picked up on that if that clear because it's not like it was some it was loud and clear whatever it was yes it was and now let's transition to some of the new guys some of the guys who the three main guys the marlins have gotten since the trade deadline uh catcher alex jackson outfielder brian de la cruz and pitcher jesus lazardo i want to start specifically with alex jackson the marlins got him from the atlanta braves in the adam duvall trade they want Kim Ang's specific words were, we want to see a lot from this guy and see what he has to offer, which immediately means, at least in my mind, when I heard her say that on trade deadline day, 
he's new. He's the new catcher one, at least for the remainder of the season. And for the most part, he's been behind the plate just about every game that he's been here. He's played five games and catching wise, it's always an adjustment, especially middle of the season coming in, you're learning a new staff on the fly, especially a staff like the Marlins where there are so many moving parts. You're basically trying to find, you're learning six, seven, eight catchers for five rotation spots on top of the, the ever-moving bullpen. Behind the plate, he's looked pretty good. And then offensively, I mean, he's hitting 200. He hit two home runs already, five RBI, three runs scored. When he was coming in the career, I think it was, he was coming in not hitting very well overall. He's an 043 hitter this season. You can see him starting to get a little bit more comfortable, and you can see that he's starting to learn the pitching staff that he has, which through those first couple weeks, that's the main goal. And, and it, it, it really represents a seismic shift at the position if this is where they're headed because so much was invested in Jorge Alfaro. And, you know, he still has the rest of the season to, to show something. But, you know, think about it. The last two years, the thought was this is our guy behind the plate. And now, I mean, this, this is, her saying that really signals something like, are we, are we very close to moving on and, and, you know, trying to find a new catcher, a new catcher of the future? So that, that's huge. That's huge. Uh, you know, that's going to be whoever they put there has a big responsibility. This is an organization, not just a team. This is an organization that's pitcher heavy and put a lot of stock in a lot of arms that they've picked up over the last few years. So whoever's going to be that guy has a big responsibility on their hands, whether they hit 200 or they hit, you know, 10 home runs a year, that's not as important as who they're going to have as the kind of in a leadership role back there. And it looks like, you know, are they moving away from Jorge Alfaro? I think they're starting to, and they, they have been for a little bit now, you know, unless something radically changes over the remainder of the season, it's going to be interesting. I mean, even look at the draft organizationally. They go get a guy like Joe Mack. They bring in, they bring in Jackson. I mean, they're 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 getting they're getting more catchers. They even have a few under the radar catchers that we've talked about in the minor leagues, like Fortes and others, that have started to step up a little bit too and improve. So it's going to be interesting to chart this over the next uh, season or two to see who their guy is, you know, in the, in the in-between. And then obviously Will Banfield is still making strides in the minors as well. Yeah. And with Alfaro, again, we talked about with Alex Jackson behind the plate, Alfaro has been in left field for the better part of the last week. And right. again, and just to get off, off the top here, he's looked good out there. I mean, obviously a catcher going to the outfield, he's still, doing some tracking, figuring those things out. But when you look I mean, at the yeah. play, when you look at what he did Saturday with that relay throw to Brian Anderson to Alex Jackson to get, to get an out at home plate, that shows you, I mean, between the athleticism that we've known that he has, especially for a guy who was a catcher on top of his foot speed, on top of just what they hope with him being in the outfield, putting less pressure on him mentally to doing all the responsibilities behind the play, hoping that frees him up to, hopefully spend a little bit more time offensively. Right. This well, is it's, it's, it's them trying to figure out a way to get something out of Alfaro, not That's quit where, on him completely. Yeah. Right. And I also mean, I, potentially yeah. get out, get a lot, some out of him this year and also potentially show us a little bit extra value to potentially do something in the off season with him. 
Exactly. Yeah. Business wise, it makes perfect sense. You got to have some kind of value there, whether it's for yourself or in potential trade. And that's one thing that, you know, I think they, they did a decent job of at the deadline and now they're trying to start doing, you know, with a, with a guy like that, but still the moving on from catcher Jorge Alfaro still just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a big shift because like, again, he was, he was the guy, he was the, the one they had pegged, you know, coming off the sixth old JT trade and everything. And now you're going in a different direction. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, and then next up, uh, Jesus Lazardo, hometown kid. He's made two starts so far. First start was okay. He had ran to trouble in the second inning. He went overall. He was five innings, three earned runs allowed. Basically, all of that came in that second inning. Five strikeouts showed a lot more command early or later on after he went through the struggles with the jitters and the nerves. His second start out in Colorado on uh, Saturday. Gave up seven runs on seven hits and four walks. There were a couple soft hits, a couple of broken bat single here, a loop single there, but he basically said that he can't let those those cheap hits, as he would say, snowball and let that lead to another hit that leads to a double that leads to four leads to a four run inning. He needs to find the way mentally to find ways to get out of those mini jams, even when he feels like he's doing the right thing and this is still as you can see for a guy who's 23 years old and still finding himself here you can tell that there's still going to be some work in progress here yeah it's it definitely is i mean although he has given up he has been hit pretty hard at times though i mean it's not just been you know if you look at some of his numbers i mean he's given up some barrel balls you know pretty good here i mean i'm looking at his stat cast numbers a little bit the 10.1 is the worst of the three years that he's been in the majors. I mean, I know those are just like little things, but you know, the, the exit velo on some of these is kind of high. The walk rate is pretty high too. That's the other problem. I think this season that that's been with him, I think it's a 10.5 right now. And in turn, his strikeout percentage is down. So look, any year like this where you get traded, it's kind of hard, you know, the different transition, things like that. And they're going to have him for a while. We know the contract is going to, he's under control for a few years. Um, so, I mean, you have nothing to lose. If you bring him in next year, you try to make him part of the rotation and see where he could take you. But you hope that it's something that through a full off season of working on his pitches it's, and all, all of that, that he can be a little more productive than, you know, because right now he doesn't even look like a, like a quality, maybe back end starter, which is what some people had him evaluated as right now. It doesn't even look that good. So you hope that it can at least get to that point where he can be a piece you could insert in there, you know, for next season. Yeah. And again, to touch on the stack stuff a little bit more, his off speed and his secondary stuff has really been his main, his main productive pieces. His fastballs have been everything that's been, that here has been destroying or hitting 370 off his four-seam fastball, yeah. 333 off the sinker. And then yep. you look at his curveball, which he threw the most out of all of his pitches in his last start. He has a 54.5% whiff rate. Yeah. yeah, almost a 55% whiff yeah, rate. That was average good. 174. He needs to get better improvement with the fastball so he can set up the change up in the curveball going forward. 
and com- by comparison, look at last year. Last year, got people were hitting 215 off that fastball, compared to now 370. So the huge jump there. They're seeing the they're seeing the fastball a lot better. So that's something, you know, whether it's location, his command is off. You know, he's got to get he's got to get that under control to be the kind of pitcher that he was and potentially can be. Yep. And then for the third player from um, the new guys, who's a regular star, Brian De La Cruz. The outfielder prospect who was acquired in the, from the Houston Astros in the Yimmy Garcia trade. He started every game in right field since he's got gotten traded. He's nine for 37 at this point, 243 average, two RBI. He's looked really good in right field. He's displayed how hard he can throw the ball in right field. He has a cannon. Uh, had a couple of throws. I think it was in Saturday's game that Stackass clocked him at about 92, 93 miles an hour. He, he which was able to help him get a ball, a ball to third base and nearly getting out there and to almost get a guy out on a sack fly. Defensively, looks fine. His at-bats are looking a little better. Obviously, he's young. This is his first taste in the big leagues. But so far, so good from him, especially for a guy coming up and based, and replacing a guy who in Adam Duvall who was out there for the Marlins right. before this. Yeah, and putting him into the starting lineup right away, too. I mean, I, yeah, like you said, not bad. I think probably the best results of any of the moves made at the deadline so far. And, yeah, the, is he hitting the cover off the ball? No, but not terrible, though. Like, pretty decent numbers here and there. And I think the, the big tools is the that, that arm has been impressive. And the fact that he's been steady in right field, I think it, it just shows. It gives him another option. In what in, a, in in an outfield where they have a lot of guys coming up, a lot still a lot of prospects, you know that obviously we don't know if they're going to be hits or misses or not, but a lot of options to 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 consider and to play with, you know there and and again it, it it's coupled with Brinson's success, where that just adds the depth there in front of guys because we have seen some of their you know, more touted prospects struggle in the minors this year. So this is a welcome site where maybe you can balance it out a little bit better. Yeah, and before we get to the minors on the second half, just to quickly wrap up this first half, uh, quick injury update, specifically with the pitching staff. Uh, Eliezer Hernandez is going to throw his fourth rehab assignment start on Tuesday. Tonight, tonight as of the publishing of this podcast, he should go about five innings which lines him up to being ready to basically be ready to come back to the big league club after that. Cody Poteet and uh, Daniel Castano started rehab assignments. Both of them went two innings. Uh, But the big one for me is Pablo Lopez. He threw his first bullpen session since having the rotator cuff injury on, he threw 20 pitch bullpen session on Saturday I got to quickly catch up with pitching coach Mel Stoudemire Jr. And his general synopsis was Pablo felt good. He didn't have any reaction or feel like he was sluggish or anything the day after. And the primary thing they want is no matter how little it is, they want him to get back on the big league mountain at some point this season, just mm-hmm. for the mental side of it for Pablo that, this wouldn't be the third consecutive season from full season standpoints, not including 2020, where he ends the season in an injury and feels like he's going into the offseason rehabbing. They want him mentally to feel like he can finish a season. He can go out there and pitch in September because 2018 and 2019, he had, he had shoulder arm injuries that cut his season short. 
They yeah. want him to feel ready, like he can go out there and finish the season. He's already hit career high marks. They want to be able to see how far they can actually get him in a in a season, even with the setback that he had. Yeah, I mean that's an interesting point because, yeah, you know, the Mel brings that up, considering you know Pablo. You're looking at a pitcher that he's going to be 26 by next season, by just before next season. And at this point in his career, he's pitched a pretty good amount of innings already. But you're right. Like to to really feel like he's an established starter in the major leagues. I think that, yeah, he hit it. He definitely hit the nail on the head. I think he definitely needs that for confidence wise, like you were saying, because at this point you want you, you want to feel like Pablo is part of that future is part of that reliable, you know, that rotation piece. There are questions about injuries all the time that have been the last few years with him. So this would be a big step if he can, you know, finish with both feet on the mound, you know, whenever that last start would be late September instead of, Oh, okay, great. I'm done in August, you know, or I'm done beginning of September, like we've seen before. So so definitely, I think that's definitely a key. And again, another guy that you felt good about as being, you know, in that top, you know, the, the top three of your rotation coming into this season. And it hasn't worked out that way because of injury. So, yeah, no doubt. It'll be interesting to see what goes next for Pablo. It was 20 pitches on Saturday. So next bullpen session should probably be at some point this week, I would assume either Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday would probably be the absolute latest. And then after that, after two sessions, that gets into about 30, 40 pitches. You would think a rehab assignment would be next. So mm-hmm. on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll do our usual weekly minor league roundup. So we will be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we're back, everyone. And second half of the show, that means minor league report time. And we're going to start off, which feels like the strength of the organization, as we say almost every week. There were a lot of good pitching performances, but we're going to be shying away from the Max Myers, Jake Eaters of the world. Going to once again talk about, first off, I want to talk about Dax Fulton first off in Class A Jupiter he finally had what I would think is the best start of his pro career. Five shutout innings, gave him just one hit, no walks, 10 strikeouts. He was efficient. He got through five innings, which, again, was the biggest thing for the Ibus looking for to see how deep he could go at any point this year, especially since senior year, Tommy John surgery. So yep. he was 
this is a build-up year for him and a year just to see how comfortable he can get. And it finally looks like the Marlins are getting the Dax Fulton that they're hoping to get when they draft him in the second round in 2020. That's huge. That's huge right there. I mean, we talked about it from the beginning of the year was to finally get him out there, throwing some innings. And to see him not just be – I mean, I wasn't even looking so much at the results. It was more like just let, let's get him some innings. Let's get him some work. Now the results are starting to be are to look pretty positive and, and look like the scouting profile that you had on this kid being another, you know, high velo guy with good command, that sort of thing, a guy that projects as a potential starter down the road for them. You know, that, that that's tremendous. I mean, I think that that's just a positive step in the right direction, and, and hopefully you can keep it going. And now you are going to swing the Dominican way right now for the next two guys you're about to talk about. Yes, I am. We'll stick with the one who is Dax Fulton's rotation mate first, uh, Yuri Perez, the six foot eight, 18-year-old, who he only struck out 11 guys in four and two-thirds innings. No big deal. Only, eh. I think, yeah, that's... Eh. Yeah, I mean, of his 14 <laughs> outs, only 11 of them were strikeouts. That's no big deal. No hits. He gave up an hey. unearned run. He walked three guys. But ERA's – his ERA, 1.7, 1 through 14 starts. The dude's doing okay, especially, again, 18-year-old in pro ball. I think he'll be – I think he's going to be all right. I think the DR could have used him in the Olympics. They probably could have. If he had been, if he had been eligible to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the shift from the lowest level of the full season affiliates to the highest. Edward Cabrera, 10 strikeouts over six innings in his fourth start in AAA. It just honestly, it feels like even though the rotations, the starters are starting to get rehab assignments and it look like you're going to be full strength soon, maybe, possibly for the first time all year over the last month, it feels like it's a matter of time before we see Edward Cabrera at the show. It's at this point, it's call me when it happens because I'm going to be, and, and that's not an annoyed call me when it happens. It's more like a call, a please call me. Don't let me forget because we've been waiting for this for two years already. And I want to see his debut because ever since, ever since he was in, in Jacksonville for me, like watching him pitch or even before, before that in Jupiter, it was like, I can't wait to see this kid really get, finally get on a major league mound and, and, you know, hopefully we'll see. Maybe it'll be a kind of debut similar, not exactly the same, but 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 similar to, to Sixto with that kind of, you know, that kind of stuff, that kind of excitement to, to see it. Hopefully it happens at home and, and, you know, hopefully they get a little electric atmosphere out there. We know that the place doesn't get packed, but maybe it'll be a little exciting, at least on that debut night. Yeah, and now the talk, some a couple big names on the hitting side who had pretty good weeks. They were named the players of the week for their respective leagues. Peyton Burdick, who we've talked about plenty this year, uh, he hit 571 this week, 12 for 21, four home runs, three doubles, six RBI, six runs scored, six walks, and the key for me, just three strikeouts. Mm-hmm. That's then, that, well, he's, he's looking more like Burdick of yeah. old, which yeah. is a good sign. Yeah, and then uh, Troy Johnston with Class A Advanced Beloit, uh, 346 average this week, 9 for 26, four home runs, six ribbies, six runs scored. Again, he's a guy who we talked about a little bit. He's one of their first baseman type who's a little bit of a ways away, but who knows the next year or two he could potentially be some of that depth that they need at that position, which outside of Leyland mm-hmm. Diaz, they really don't have anything at this point. Yeah. 
it was kind of like catcher was before until they brought in a lot of these guys recently and you know under the radar guys that can make an impact because of the fact that there's open spots you know there really is so good for troy yeah and then to wrap up the minor league portion uh just taking a quick look at some of the guys from the 2021 draft class they're almost I believe the final tally as of right now, there are 15 of the 20 draft draft signees they have are either in the Florida Complex League, the former Gulf Coast League, the Rookie League. I think is how we're just simply describing it on this podcast. They don't they don't call me the Gulf Coast uh, Marlins anymore. League exactly. And then there are five. There are four who are up in Class A Jupiter. Uh, the four in Ju- of the four in Jupiter. One who's been really impressing the most is Bennett Hostelter. He was their 18th round pick out of North Dakota State. He's played in three games so far. And again, everybody in here has been anywhere from one to five games, so it's small sample sizes. Hoste- what did you say? Hostetler? Hostelter, I believe. Hostelter. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Not, not Hostetler. That, that, yeah. was, that was a Giants quarterback back in the Correct. day. Yeah. So three games. He's played two at shortstop, one at third base. Five for 10, two doubles, six ribbies, and a run scored. Uh, he was a 286 hitter through his five years in North Dakota State, 394 average as a fifth year senior. The Marlins liked him as a late round flyer, and he's shown up, shown up a little bit so far. The other guys who are up in Jupiter right now are Cody Morissette, their second round pick out of Boston College, yep. and fourth round pick Tanner Allen out of Mississippi State. And then also, Love Tanner Allen. yeah. Oh, he's one of my favorites. He, yep. I've mentioned this on the podcast before. He's wrote about him. Yeah, sluggish so far. He hasn't gotten a hit yet. He's 0 for 17, but yeah. he has a couple walks. He's shown good play to play discipline. And then the yeah. fourth guy who's on the Jupiter roster right now is Chandler. I'm hoping I'm not butchering his last name. Joe Zwiak, their 13th round pick out of Texas A&M, uh, left-handed pitcher. Uh, but other than that, everybody else is in the Florida Complex League, and they've all had anywhere from one to three outings. All the pitchers, none of them have gone more than two innings. For the FSU tie, your boy Hunter Purdue, the 10th round pick, he yes, had one relief appearance so far, one and two-thirds innings, one hit, one walk, two strikeouts, two unearned runs. Mm. So, uh, any, any radar gun info on them? Or? Um, I don't have any of that yet. I'm just, okay. just I'm going off of their stats. We know Hunter can, cl- can rack it up to about 98 or so. So, that's oh, wondering yeah. if he's, but as long as he's commanding it well. Yeah. So, we'll see. We'll have better evaluation as time goes on. Hopefully, have a better look as we go. Uh, mm. Catcher Joe Mack and third round pick shortstop Jordan McCants are also in uh, the floor complex league. Khalil Watson has not been assigned somewhere yet, but the hope and the goal is that he'll be somewhere. He'll be put somewhere. My gut says he'll probably start to do a game or two at the FCL and then mm-hmm. go up to Jupiter. But Makes they, sense. it's yeah, something, with, something with him at some point this week. And everything's in at the complex in Jupiter anyway. So that's the, that, that's the beauty. Right. That's the beauty of the new arrangement of, of your minor league levels is now a guy like Watson comes in and he doesn't have to go anywhere. He's right there in your backyard not just this year, but maybe even at the start of next year. Yeah. And then to wrap up the show, it, we'd be remiss if we didn't congratulate Marlins infielder prospect, Miami native, Christopher Columbus high alum, and just overall good guy, Eddie Alvarez, silver medal with Team USA Baseball, yep. became just the third American and the sixth athlete ever 
to medal at both the Summer and Winter Olympics. And he did a damn good job for Team USA as their starting second I don't know if the clapping can be heard on the podcast, but... If it cannot be heard, the clapping is there. Yeah. Eddie Alvarez did a hell of a job with Team USA. Second, He was starting second baseman first or second in the lineup every day. Hits in five of six games, great defense. Overall, great job, Eddie. Great job, Team yeah. USA. Yeah, he, he didn't just show up and take his medal home. Like he, he did a lot and was a big part of the reason that they, again, worked their way through the loser's bracket. Remember when we were talking about it last week, how that loss – in the in, in the earlier round, put them against it. They had the they had to win some a couple of do or die games just to get to the final. But unfor- unfortunately, Jap- the Japanese pitchers shut them down in, in the finale. And I know I know Eddie even came up in a big spot there with two on, but you know grounded out unfortunately. But overall, a good showing for USA baseball. Baseball being back in the Olympics and 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 the USA team, you know. Doing a doing a good job without even the top top major leaguers in in, in attendance. So I mean that's that that's it. that's pretty cool. That's pretty indicative. And then for Eddie himself, congratulations, sir. You know I had the pleasure of, of doing a you know an article on you when I was at the Athletic, and you were gracious enough to you know take the time in New Orleans, and then with your brother out at out at his. Uh, Hitting, hitting complex out there in Doral, you know, we talked a little bit and, and got to meet your dad. So congrats to you and, and the entire family on a, on a job well done. Yeah. And baseball is not going to be in the Olympics in 2024 when it's in Paris, but the hope is that when it's back, when it's in Los Angeles in 2028, it's be back. So mm. we'll continue to monitor that as we go. We got a little bit of time until then, but with that, that's going to wrap up this week's show. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Fish Bites. I'm Jordan McPherson with the sunny background in San Diego. He's Andre Fernandez. We'll be back again next week live from – I'll be back in Miami next week, so no fun background next that time. But do, we'll do, up, your, do up your room a little bit, and we'll, we'll yeah. just say it is. Yeah, I'll create. I'll I'll put some funky background in there. We'll, there we'll have go. some fun with this. Yeah, do, do one of the back, fake backgrounds there. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it, everyone. See you guys. Thanks so much. We'll be back again next week.